Well, welcome to our Story of Hope podcast, where we are sharing the story of how Bible translation brings hope to the people groups of the world. My name is Esther Smith, and I am the lead singer of Eversmith, and we have been partnered with Wycliffe Bible Translators as their Next Generation Ambassador for a number of years now, and I am here with... I'm Alex Winslade, and I work at Wycliffe Bible Translators, and um, yeah, we co-host this podcast, and today we are joined by Rob. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Esther. Thank you, Alex. It's a real joy to uh, be joining you today. I was just thinking, this is this is actually my first podcast, so uh, you can, well, let's hope you can teach old dogs new tricks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an honor but, uh, to No, you, excited Rob. to be a part of this today. And also just excited and uh, very grateful and thankful to the Lord for the collaboration that we have between our organization and yourselves, uh, Eversmith. So, yeah, it's a privilege. Mm. And um, Rob is the director of Wycliffe. Oh, thank you. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I serve as the director for Wycliffe here in New Zealand, uh, have been for four and a half years. Awesome. Yeah, it is. It's great to have you with us, Rob. An honor. And it's an honor to have you as your first podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Sweet. Well, uh, we have a thing. We started a thing with our, an, our inaugural podcast session where we pray for five nations every week. And uh, this week we're praying for the people from Zimbabwe, Afghanistan, Albania, Algeria, and American Samoa. So, We'd love to have Rob pray for these nations for us this week. Sure. Let's pray together. Mm. Father, we uh, come before you and we want to uh, firstly acknowledge you as sovereign, as God of this world. And Father, it's a privilege to be able to come and to pray for the nations that have been mentioned, Zimbabwe, Afghanistan, Albania, Algeria, and American Samoa. And Father, as we do, we're just so mindful just this week of the uh, huge uh, developments that have taken place in the country of Afghanistan mm. and the suffering and uh, all that is happening, the chaos that is happening in that country right now. So we'll begin by praying for that country and praying particularly for the people uh, of Afghanistan, praying for your protection over them. Mm. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's so disturbing and saddening, and yet we um, know that you are ultimately in control. But Father, we want to particularly pray for the uh, Bibleless people groups, those that do not have your word. And there are translation projects that are in progress there in that country. And so we pray for those. We pray for the people, uh, the local people, the local translators who are involved, who would have been immensely impacted by and disrupted by what is the events of the last week or actually months, but uh, most recently this week in Kabul. So, Father, we pray for them and we pray for your protection and we mm. pray for your shalom peace to be with them at this time. Pray for those that are involved in those projects as well. Uh, maybe people from outside of Afghanistan who have gone to assist and we bring them before you too. The disruption that that's causing. Father, we want to pray too for the countries of Zimbabwe, for Albania, for Algeria and Mer American Samoa. 
uh, all of these countries have uh, tremendous translation needs, languages that need the scripture translated into them. And so we pray for them. Zimbabwe, uh, 22 living languages. Uh, 13 of those have full Bibles, um, but there are nine that have no scripture yeah. or, and partial translation progress. So Father, we pray for those. We pray that your will would be done over these. We pray that people would have access to your word soon. For Albania, where there are 11 living languages, seven of which have a translation, but four that don't. And so we pray for them. We pray that you will uh, find ways in which they too can have access to your word in a language that they understand well. And for Algeria, we pray for Algeria. And we ask, Lord, that you would be with those that are working on translation projects there, a 17 in total of uh, uh, 21 living languages there in that country. So a lot of work to be done. Um, and so we ask that you would uh, enable progress to move forward. But we recognize too that um, these countries are perhaps some of the most hard countries to be working in today. As we look back on the Bible translation movement, um, we recognize that where we're working today are some of the hardest. Yeah. And so, Father, we pray that you will uh, allow us to uh, be able to connect with other organizations and local people to be able to uh, enable them to have your word. We pray for the way in which that might be delivered to the formats. We thank you for technology. We thank you for the way that you're using that to bring your word to people. And Father, for the formats electronically, digitally, uh, through video, through audio, through various means today. And uh, we pray this for these countries. And then we think of American Samoa as well. And uh, Father, we probably need to be doing more survey in that country to determine the needs, the minority language needs there. And so we pray that that would be able to be done uh, in order to determine whether there is translation work that still needs to be done in that country. Mm. So we bring these countries before you today and ask for your will to be done, but particularly for Afghanistan right now in such turmoil and strife, we pray for your the protection of your people there and ask that uh, you would find ways for Christians to be able to spread the message of your love and your light into what is a darkened nation there. So, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that prayer, Rob. I loved it. Uh, the scripture says, pray in the spirit and with understanding. And... Uh, I really appreciate the way that you led that prayer with understanding. So, so good. Mm. And a way that our viewers can get involved in praying with understanding for Bibleist people groups is to get a part of the B3P, the Bibleist. I always get the P's wrong. <laughs> Bibleist People's Prayer Project. <laughs> yes. It's through Wycliffe USA. They have a program where you can sign up and be assigned a Bibleist people group to pray for. So make yeah, sure yeah. if you're interested cool. in getting involved with that, that you send us a message or get in touch in some way. And we would love to sort that out for you so that you can pray not just in the spirit, but with understanding. 
That's quite cool. I think they also try to um, give you updates on yes. um, progress in that mm. translation and mm. the people that you're praying for, so you can really stay up to date and know that you know your prayers are making a difference. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. yeah. It's super cool. I have been praying for a couple of people groups for a while, and I love the updates that you get. It's super mm. cool, super super cool. Well, awesome. We're so excited, as we said earlier, to have Rob with us, and we're going to start with a couple of icebreaker questions. And the first one is a little bit cheeky because I know Rob's not that excited about this question. But, (laughs) Rob, (laughs) I want to know, if you ruled a kingdom, what would you like your title to be? Ah, yes. Um, Esther, I think you like making me squirm, don't you? (laughs) But fair enough. You you need to ask those questions, and so uh, let me attempt. I think my title would be the reluctant ruler. The reluctant ruler. Mm. Yeah. Recognizing that, yes, <laughs> God's placed uh, me in a leadership role, but it's not something I've, I've strived for. So, yeah, that would be my answer to that. Mm. Awesome. Super cool. Um, it is. It is funny because you are... Uh, director, right? Or wait, yeah. what's yeah. 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 <laughs> so, In a way, that's a that's a funny title for a person who's a reluctant leader. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and, it, and it has been over the course of the 30 plus years that we've been with uh, Wycliffe and a yeah. fabulous journey. Um, fairly early, I was was asked to step into leadership um, in, in Vanuatu and then in Australia and then in the Philippines and then broader across the Asia Pacific and now back in New Zealand. So, yeah. 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 I actually, I got to speak last night at church and one of the things that I shared with people is that I never aspired to have any kind of leadership element in mm. my life whatsoever. Mm. And I have a really mm. weird um duality to my personality where on the one hand if you give me a challenge I'm like I will smash that challenge in the face I'm really competitive Mm -hmm. and I want to do the best and I'm quite a perfectionist and I love excellence but on the other side I'm quite timid and I would love Mm. to just be in the background and make sure Mm. everyone's happy and all that sort of Mm. thing and so Mm. I do understand where you're coming from (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah it's a it's a funny thing leadership Uh, Mm. my second icebreaker question for you is what is the best book that you read in the last year yeah that's another (laughs) hard one when you say Mm. best i i actually have three (laughs) so i'm going off track already but very quickly um for just for escapism and getting away from it uh I enjoy espionage novels. So one of the author I've just discovered is Daniel Silva. And uh, the book that uh, I read recently was The Secret Servant. Um, and uh, I just uh, just thoroughly enjoyed it. And he's a great writer. Cool. Uh, so that's where I escape to sometimes. But then, then there's another book that's had a huge impact upon me. And that is uh, the book by uh, Christopher Wright, The Mission of God. Not an easy read, uh, mm. certainly wasn't for me, but so worthwhile, mm. uh, helping us to understand uh, the mission of God through a biblical lens, the grand narrative from Genesis through to Revelation, oh. highly recommended. And then the third book is 
the book of Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have been so enjoying reading this book. It's not a book that I, um, well, I put it in the too hard basket for so, mm-hmm. so long. And um, I, I, you know, delved a little bit into it and I just found it to be quite dark and, um, well, not relevant. Uh, however, uh, I have changed my opinion on it completely. Mm-hmm. I really do feel that it is a book that has tremendous relevance for us today. Um, yes, there are there are long passages of, of uh, what you might call as dismal reading, but this wise old sage, this teacher at the end of his life, who's journaling all his thoughts, also has some real gems. One of them being, he, in chapter 11, he talks about the unknown, for you do not know. And he says it three times, for you do not know. But he doesn't leave it there. He actually gives us three very powerful words, cast, give, and sow, which to me speaks of the importance when we are faced with uncertainty and unknown. We have a choice, and you can either freeze in fear or you can move forward in faith. Mm. And the cast, the give, and the sow is all about moving forward in faith. So just a, just that's... For me, that's probably the best of, mm. of this year. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. And I think quite relevant with especially the past year, all the unknowns <laughs> that yeah. everyone has had with just yeah. the world being, you know, tipped upside down and all the plans you had just thrown out the window. So That's yeah. right. It's a very common theme. Whoever mm. you talk to yeah. in business and mission and church, what's the hardest thing about this global pa- pandemic? Probably the unknown mm. and the uncertainty that are around it. Trying to plan, trying to make decisions is yeah. not easy. Mm. Yes, absolutely. A major challenge. I actually was talking to a couple today and they're originally from England and they haven't been able to go home. And even mm. now that they're kind of able to go back, um, all of the hoops that they have to go through to make it happen and there's still so much unknown as to whether they'll actually get to go and um, just story after story like that it's such a a relevant theme for sure yeah yeah for sure cool yeah well I think we can jump straight into our the easy um, question (laughs) (laughs) well yeah they could be easier (laughs) easier than the uh, (laughs) ruler one but um yeah so the first question we've got for you is um how did you become involved in bible translation and missions okay i have to take you back a long way (laughs) because i'm getting up there but uh really i i firstly i have to give thanks to god for the the fact that i was born into a christian home um, had uh, parents who loved the Lord, who set fine examples for me, and that was the starting point, I mm-hmm. think. Um, but uh, as it's an individual thing, and at the age of 13, I recognised that I was going to get going to need help to navigate through my teenage years, and God brought a. a a young guy into my life, he was my age. We were starting out in Form 3, first year of high school, and um, we became very good friends. And he was a fine Christian and set a, a wonderful example. And through our conversations and what he modeled, he was really, uh, he impacted me and helped lead me mm-hmm. to the point where I made a decision to accept Christ as my Savior and wow. Lord of my life. 
and that was probably a next significant step. Interesting though, only months after making that decision and forging this strong friendship with Michael, uh, he was diagnosed with cancer, a tumour in the knee, uh, such that they needed to amputate wow. his leg. Yeah. And uh, Michael was one of these uh, people who excelled academically, excelled on the sports field, just had had it all, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I admired him greatly, but also just a strong, vibrant faith wow. um, and was an incredible witness right through, even through the cancer journey for him. Mm. However, four years later, the cancer uh, continued to spread through his body and eventually he passed away. Uh, I was 17 at the time. We were in our final year of high school and um, Michael had shared with me that he had always wanted to be a missionary. Oh. And upon his passing and a few months after and reflecting on his life and then hearing a, a really powerful message in church around uh, giving your life, uh, committing your life to, to full-time service, I made that decision and said, God, if you want me to go in Michael's place, I'm prepared to go. Oh, and um, interesting though, it was a number of years later, probably... 10 years later, actually, that God really uh, picked up on that and and uh, really made it very clear that this is the calling that he had placed on my life. And I needed mm -hmm. to make a choice at that point. But at that point, I was married. I had married my, um, I say high school sweetheart, but I was out of high school. I was uh, had completed studies at university. Um, but she was in her final year of high school um, when we started uh, courting or dating. And um, it was it was quite some time though, it was seven years after. Uh, so I'm a slow learner that we finally were married. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we were then on this journey together. And um, I'm not sure that Leanne would say that she shared the same vision or calling that I did that's a very different. However, God is sovereign, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and it was actually the issue of infertility that really brought us to a point of submission, mm. where we said, "God, uh, things are no longer. Uh, we can't control these things," and that actually was a that was a. A challenge in itself because up until that point we had been very much in control of our lives the decisions we made but after trying for several years we were informed that uh, we were classified as an infertile couple and so the the longing the desire to have children was taken away well th that was not going to be met on the basis of what we were being told um, and so that was incredibly hard, but God used that to bring us to a point of submission mm. and say, God, if it's not your will for us to have children, we'll accept it. Mm. However, then God led us into missions at that point. And the real kicker to this story is that having accepted that, God in turn then blessed us with not one, not two, but three wonderful sons. Oh, wow. 
um, in the course of that. So we feel very privileged. And so God led us into mission and we uh, joined Wycliffe. Um, and uh, we've been serving now for over 30 years in various places around the world. And it has been an absolute privilege and no regrets. It's been a fantastic journey. And God has brought us back here to New Zealand and we came back four years ago to serve in this role. Yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing. Does that answer the question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Long way around. Mm. Yeah, no, it's crazy how um there's just like a journey of ways that God kind of like prepares you to step into something. It started yeah. way back when you decided, oh, God, if you want me to take, you know, my place, yeah. I will. And then, you know, still had to go through submission like 10 years later. And, right. But it starts like way back when you, when God first puts it on your heart. Yeah, it, it does. And, mm. and, you know, we can look back now and see that journey. Um, and at the time it was very immediate, but, um, and God has a timeline and a perspective mm. that we don't have. Mm. And the other thing is, if he revealed it all to us at the start, yeah. we probably would never go down that road. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like it um, often takes yeah. saying yes before you actually even know what it looks like. Right. Kind of that, that faith, you know? Right. Yeah. So he does it, he, mm. he's kind, he does it incrementally. <laughs> yeah. It's such a biblical theme too. I mean, you think of Abraham and the promises given so far beforehand and you think yes. of Moses who the promise is given and then it's, you know, 40 years before that happens mm. and then 40 years mm. and it's still that's in the right. desert and he never even got to enter the promised land. And That's right. And, and then we read in <laughs> Hebrews, uh, he, yeah. he actually, mm. he saw from afar. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild and it's time and time again in scripture, that's kind of the way of these incredible stories of faith. It, it's often the yeah. long game. And mm, I, I yeah. think a lot of times, especially now in our culture where everything's so immediate and you have these people who seem to just come out of nowhere on social media and you're like, wow. And the, these ministries that just pop out of nowhere and seem to just have all this favor on them, but we don't actually yeah. get to see all of the things that went into it beforehand. Yeah. And um, yeah. it's so important for us to have such a value for the unseen moments in life. Mm. Right. One of uh, Speaking of books that we read in the last year, <laughs> yeah. one of the books that I read in the last year is a book that I always forget the name of and it slipped my mind. What is it? Um, oh, goodness. I'll come. <laughs> I'll write it in the, in the notes when I figure it out. But um, <laughs> it's, um, yeah. it's all about the unseen years of Jesus' ministry mm. and uh, how that prepared him for what he did and how he was, he was yeah. able to manage the temptation of Satan and, and all of those yeah. sorts of things. Oh, and, yeah. you know, because his ministry didn't start until he was in That's his right. 30s. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Love to get the name of that book, Esther. Yes. Mm. Actually, I'm, and you make a really good point on that one because um, if you were to ask me last year the same question you asked this year in terms of what, what was the best book you read. It was actually a book on the same theme mm. called The Long View mm. by yeah. Parrott. Now, he's he's writing to leaders, but just wanting to emphasize Christian leaders and saying, we need to take the long view. Yeah, Our world is all about the immediate, the instant, but mm. it is about the long view. Yes. So. I've actually just remembered what it's called. It's called Anonymous. Uh, Anonymous. Yeah. Anonymous. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Cool. It's really Definitely good. Take note of that. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good one. Uh, really, yeah. really appreciate it. And it's written br- beautifully as well. She, the way that the author writes is um, quite descriptive and imaginative, but so mm. solid and firm at the same time. Mm. And I mm. really appreciated cool. it. So definitely recommend. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Sweet. Well, our next question for you, Rob, is mm-hmm. uh, what are some highlights for your time from your time on the mission field? Wow. Okay. Um, I'll begin by saying sometimes in in the moment they're not highlights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They may be major impactful things, uh, but it's only later when you're looking in the rear view mirror that yeah. you say, hey, that was a highlight of my life. Allow me to share one of those. Um, it probably says a little bit about us, but for my wife and I, when we started out on our missions journey, we probably lacked faith. And so we said, oh, let, let's let's go down to the water's edge and dip our toes in the water. <laughs> so we committed for an initial two years. Yeah. Um, and see how it went. And it was, uh, so we went and we served in Vanuatu. Um, And uh, it was in our second year there, and we were traveling uh, from the capital, Port Vila, where we were based, to one of the many, many, many islands to spend a week with a a family who were involved in not one, but three translation projects simultaneously. Uh, now, my wife is a teacher, and so she was going to work with the kids because they were homeschooling and look at how things were going. And I was observing what was happening and what was really quite a pioneering project to have mm. three going simultaneously. Yeah. Had a great week with this family, loved it. and um, But we our time had to come to an end, and we were flying back to Port Vila, the capital. So the family took us to the little grassy airstrip to wave goodbye to us. And so we boarded this twin engine, uh, 10-seater plane. And we took off, and when we took off, it was a little bit windy and gusty, uh, but quickly we were up at our cruising altitude and things had settled down and going smoothly when the pilot, who was sitting directly in front of me, turned around and told us he'd just had a radio message and we had to pick up a medical uh, emergency case from another island to take through to the capital, Port Vila, to the hospital. And so uh, we were immediately in descent mode and coming in to land on this very small island with, again, a little grassy airstrip right on the edge of the island and the sea on the right and the very steep hills on the left, just as we were coming into land, just as we were coming into the land. We were hit with a really strong gust of wind, which caused the plane to yaw or tip up on its side. And I remember looking out the window and seeing the wingtip, and it looked like it was just about to hit the ground. Wow. But the pilot struggled to get the plane under control, and to do so, he then had to turn at 90 degrees to the airstrip. So now we were heading straight into this very, very steep mountainous range. And so he gave the plane full throttle, and the engines roared, and the plane shuddered, and we began to climb as quickly as we could. But it became clear within a minute or two that we were not climbing higher or faster than what the terrain was. Mm. Wow. And then I saw the tops of the trees and then they began to brush the undercarriage of the plane. 
And then I saw the pilot reach up and flick the fuel pumps off. And I knew we were not going. And so within a few seconds, we crashed into the side of that mountain. Wow. And miraculously, we all walked away from that air crash. The pilot suffered some quite uh, serious concussion and, and lacerations, but we were able to drag him out of the plane. But we literally had to jump from the plane that was caught up in the foliage and the trees about six feet down onto the ground. Mm. And we walked away from that air crash, which after interviews with air accident uh, inspectors and insurance assessors, they all said, you should never have walked away from that. Wow. So at that point, we realized that God wasn't finished with us yet, (laughs) that he had more for us. At the time, it wasn't a highlight, but we look back now and we see how God used that. And it was indeed a highlight uh, in our journey of faith with him. Yeah, uh, wow. In particular, because there were people praying for our safety that day. When we boarded that plane to come back, that family prayed for our safety. My parents in New Zealand prayed for our safety. Wow. And many others. The team back in, in the office prayed for our safety that morning. So, wow! What the a, power of prayer. What mm. a faith builder for not just you guys, but for everyone that was praying. Hey, yes, yes, I, um, mm. that's right. I was sharing when I got to speak at church last night about how God loves it when we know we need Him. Mm. Yeah. But that's a place that we, in the natural, resist. Mm. Mm. probably most resist. And so it's so yeah. good for us to have those moments where God is so manifest that it's like, mm. oh, that mm. was only God. <laughs> where yeah. that, you yeah. know, that could have happened so that we can have our faith grow to match what He mm. actually wants to do with us. But it's mm. it's a pretty scary spot, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes, so that was what, that's one of probably a number. Uh, yeah. But anyway, for another time, some of yeah. the others. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, should we move on to the next question? Sure. Then? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm quite uh, excited about this one because I feel like I've come across these a lot. Um, what do you think the biggest misconception that people have about missions is? Biggest misconception about missions uh it's a good question and i've encountered it too um and i think certainly if not the biggest one of the big ones is that is around calling Mm -hmm. um and i'll if i can take us to matthew 28 where the command that jesus has to go and make disciples of all nations if i ask and i have if i have asked me so what's the command here uh, they will say go. Um, but in fact, when you look into the Greek, it's actually a little different. Hmm. The command is to make disciples of all nations. And that word go in the Greek is actually in the present continuous tense. Right. Yeah. So a, a more literal translation would be while going. Hmm. So the misconception is we are all called to go. Uh, We're all called, and that calling means that we have to go. We're on a journey. 
For some of us, that takes us into cross-cultural situations, mm. but we're all called to make disciples, mm. and that is mission. So our mission field is wherever God takes us. Yeah. So I don't think uh, you can say that people, some people are called to missions and others are not. No, we're all called to make disciples. Mm. Come on. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my mum has been for most of my life in the corporate world and mm. the impact that she has made on the co corporate world by being faithful where she is. And mm. she's always served in a local church and she's always, mm. you know, been on prayer teams and she's, she mm. functions in different spiritual gifts and she has all of these factors in her life. But the pr the main thing she does other than being a wife and mother is she works mm. in a corporate office and mm. she prays and she intercedes for the people in her office. Mm. And she's had words of knowledge about projects that she's been on, mm. which you mm. might think, who, why would God care about a corporate government project? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yes. he does. And, yes, and she's yes. been able to speak into these situations and see transformation happen, but then also see people ignore God. You know, right, and right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. it's so powerful when we realize that we can be so great commission minded everywhere we are. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. 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 So good. Yeah. Um, mm. I have the, a good follow up question, I think, for that question is what misconceptions do have you faced with people about Bible translation? Uh, <laughs> it's another good one. And um, it's one that we we encounter a lot. I'm sure. And I think probably the biggest one is, and it's usually couched as a question. People say to us, when they hear about what a, what a, how, what a long and, and uh, I don't want to say difficult, but involved journey it is in Bible translation. Mm, yeah. They say, isn't it easier to teach English? Teach everyone English. <laughs> but there's a lot around that, and the re the reality is it's not. Um, and but more importantly, there's things around delving into culture, understanding a culture, understanding a language, and for the people who receive God's word in their language. Mm. The, the reality, knowing that God loves me so much that he's given me his word in my language is so powerful. Yeah. So that is a big misconception. Yeah. Yeah. And Would you want to say that? Yeah. yeah, I think it's important to remember um, that the Bible wasn't originally written in English. Yeah, you know? very <laughs> so good point. It's like we understand it best in English because, um, you know, languages are tied to people's culture. And yeah. so we can relate to it best in English, but other people aren't necessarily going to. Right. Um, it's when you take how it was originally written and the meaning from its Greek and Hebrew and translate it into a language that people can identify, identify with yeah. in their culture. Yeah. That's when it impacts them the most. Yeah. 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 Very good point. Yeah. Yeah. We, and we even have it in English because there was a period of time that they'd translated it from the Greek and Hebrew to Latin mm. and, mm. uh, they controlled the people by saying, mm. oh, well, only if you have capacity to read this in Latin can you actually read the Word of God. And uh, right. and there were people who gave their lives so that we could actually have it in English, you know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that is right. Yeah. And we've, we've taken our name. Well, while he was not, he, he, he died a natural death, but he was part of a group of people who God gave a vision to translate the Word of God. 
yeah. into the common language. John Wycliffe yeah. and the Lodards, many of whom were burned at the stake for doing it by the church right. at the time. So the persecution was huge. Mm. Um, but yes, so what he started and the legacy that was left, we are, are picking up and wanting to do the same. Yeah, Giving it to people in the language that speaks to their heart. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm. So I guess this sort of ties to that question about misconception of missions, but how do you see um, the role of Bible translation in relation to the church and the Great Commission? That's a, yeah. Uh, probably my answer today is different than it was even 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is organizationally, we've been on a journey around what I would call the mission of God and the mission of his church, mm. helping us to see from scripture what God's heart for the nations really is and the role that the church plays in that. I say it's different because when I, when we joined and in those early years, naively I saw by the translated Bible as the goal, mm. the end, when in fact it's not. Yeah. Wow. The end is actually transformed lives. Yeah transformed communities come on yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's but we've also know that having the scriptures translated into the heart language is in a very vital piece to yeah. that greater end yeah so it's a means to an end not an end in itself yeah which is awesome yeah. because uh you know from what i know about the process the involvement that you have with the people that you're yeah. translating for is part yeah. of that actual end. That's mm. right. That is right. That yeah. is right. And that's where the discipleship comes in and mm. all sorts of yeah. other things. And what it's done is it's actually meant that we've actually had to loosen our grip on the Bible translation component yeah. Yeah. Um, and think more collaboratively, working with other organizations who also are doing vital uh, things, yeah. uh, working with the local people, looking to empower them, to train them to take greater responsibility and the local church to have yeah. much greater responsibility. So there's a whole range of things that are, are around that as we lessen our group on grip on the Bible translation component. Nevertheless, it's still vital and key mm. for transformation. One thing I like about Bible translation is that it equips the local church yes. other than, rather than just going and bringing you know, the mission and the word of God in our language and just then it kind of creates this dependency. But right. by just giving them the word of God in their language, yeah. it enables their church to be built in the way that they respond to the word. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really cool. And that word mm. dependency is a really important word. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I love that a whole lot. Also, I think it's put such an interesting spin on that scripture that tells us that scripture is of no private interpretation. And to have such a collaborative process, even in the process of translation, just so affirms mm. that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So good. Well, Rob, I'd love to ask you, uh, what is your heart for the next generation in relation to Bible translation? <laughs> well, um, I think about this a lot. Um, and given my age, 
and the incredible journey that God has taken us on, my heart is, is all about the next generation and seeing this next generation um, be empowered to take on the mantle of leadership and the, the calling to be part of the Bible translation movement. So it's about empowering the next generation. Um, it's about, so that includes sharing the vision. It includes um, discipling, mentoring, all of these things to enable this next generation. And then stepping aside. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are roles for us, but, but uh, it really is about uh, this next generation. And that's why I, I'm just thrilled to have Alex sitting next to me um, and part of our team and um, thrilled to have Eva Smith mm. collaborating with us to be able to communicate this really important message because um, you are the voice uh, of this vision for this next generation and connecting in ways that I could never connect uh, through music, um, through a range of things, yes, the social media, um, and just different ways. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my heart. Um, and yes, you're teaching an old dog some new tricks <laughs> with this podcast, um, and that's good too. I'm still learning, and I'm still uh, I'm committed to being a lifelong learner. Uh, but I want to I want to see the next generation rise up and mm. take uh, responsibility. So important, yeah, to carry on the yeah, mission and the yeah. vision, yeah. yeah. I really want to say thank you, Rob, for, for being that way because we mm. live in a world that says, and excuse me for using this word, but old white Christian men are oppressors, right? Yeah. And yeah. you've actually yeah. entrusted us with something and yeah. empowered us to step forward and lead. And you've been yeah. so, um, I don't want to say hands off, but you've really enabled us to, to take it and run. And that's not what the world says about men like you. And I really want to honor the fact that you have chosen to, to back us. Really, really right. thank you. Right. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I actually have to give credit to the church that we were a part of in the Philippines for mm. 16 years. Um, church there really placed a lot of emphasis on raising up and training young leaders. And when I say young, really young leaders. I love and that. And putting them into places of responsibility. Mm. And I watched and I observed and then I became a part of that uh, in, with training. I was teaching at their Bible college and so on. And, yeah. That, that had a big impression on me, and I'm very thankful to them now for, for that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah on, the, on the flip side of how a lot of people see old people, um, a lot of people also see young people as a problem. And yeah. uh, I, I, I'll never forget, uh, there's so many young people who just want to get their hands on things. And yeah, they yeah. might be young and impressionable and idealistic and not lacking in experience. But if you have experienced right. guidance and wisdom surrounding you that will allow you to try things and maybe fail, but yeah. be there to pick yeah. you up when you do, um, yeah. it, gi it gives such a 
impartation of courage and right. and we're currently living in a world where so many people are lacking courage and they're living in fear and I think mm-hmm. that kind of um, having churches and having leaders who really champion and empower mm-hmm. the next generation mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. wild. Uh, there's a story I remember where uh, my brother and some of his friends at the church that we grew up, they were, um, that we grew up in they were being quite boisterous in the music <laughs> one day. And uh, I think they were actually being genuine, <laughs> which wasn't always <laughs> the case. And someone came and told them to shut up. And mm. it's like, shouldn't the young people have freedom to express mm. themselves how mm. they want to express themselves? And yeah, you do have to have ins- discernment because sometimes young people are going to do it tongue-in-cheek and they're actually being disrespectful but uh it definitely didn't uh, i know in my brother's case he was like well fine if you don't want me here then i'll peace out you know and so um we have to enable young people to take ownership you know right yeah right that's that's really good yeah Yeah. and your point about so often we see them as a problem or part of the problem yeah we've got to switch our thinking on that yeah really they are the solution or a part of the solution. Um, and um, we've got to have a mindset shift on that because they are the future. Yeah. And they're also the present as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. There are so many interesting, crazy stories, but also lots of wisdom. Mm. Um, yeah, mm. and I guess we just wanted to ask, how can we best support you and what Wycliffe does? And Yeah. Well, thank you for asking. One of the things you can support me in is by challenging me. <laughs> if you think I'm not letting go or not doing, talk to me, tell me, um, challenge me around, hey, I think we can do this. This generation should be taking this responsibility. Um, I need to be reminded of that still today. Um, and uh, yeah, and just, just, uh, working with us, collaborating the way that you are, continue to do what you're doing um, is fantastic. Collaboration and partnership is the way forward. Uh, so exploring ways that we can do that with with uh, others as well is really important. Um, uh, also, uh, just um, more personally, praying for, for me. Uh, I'm in my second term as the director and um, I want to be able to finish well in this. Uh, I probably, I um, mean, th- this will be my last term as the director, uh, and I'm year one of three of four, so I've got three more years. But I'd like to see a transition happen before then, so uh, and pass the mantle on. But so mm-hmm. pray for me, pray for wisdom, pray for uh, a discerning heart to know how to manage that. Mm-hmm. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great to come alongside people like you, <laughs> mm, <laughs> and and you. and to and to know that we have such an awesome legacy mm. that you guys have set. Mm. So it's so good. Um, also, I think I already mentioned, but one of the ways that we can support is to not just pray for Rob, but be praying for Bible translation in yeah. general. Yeah. So yeah. do make yeah. sure to get alongside us and get alongside what we're doing and sign up for a Bibleist people group to pray yeah. for. Yeah. And also practically, if you want to get more involved in supporting Wycliffe and what we do, um, just follow our social media pages. We're on um, Instagram, yeah. Facebook, and we have a website as well. You can donate or, yeah, just 
more practically pray for specific people that are on projects and things like that. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And watch the space around the story of hope. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yes. Watch yeah. this space for sure. Well, it's mm. been so great to have you with us, Rob. It's al- always Thank awesome you. to get to chat with you, Alex. And I love getting yeah. to have the privilege of hosting this with you. I actually yeah, shared same. a little bit. I've talked a lot about my talking last night. I'm not trying to promote that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> mainly just I, I mentioned you uh, and something that you Aww. shared from the last podcast and, and, and what I was sharing about because your Ooh. words have so much weight and I I really appreciate what you carry, mm. even though you're so young. So I really, really appreciate getting to do this yeah. with you. And it's oh, awesome to have you guys watching. It would be so awesome if you would like and comment and share this mm. podcast so that we can get it to more and more people and yeah. empower the Great Commission to spread and not just the Great Commission, but the issue of Bible translation. So we'll mm. see you next time. We are releasing these once a month. So make sure that you've also rung the little bell on uh, YouTube yeah. so that you get notifications <laughs> whenever we post a new video. Awesome. Yeah. Have a good one, y'all. See Great. ya. Thank you. Bye.